Okay, so Rayim Tov, we continue in the Sefer Bayam Darkecha. This is our last class before Yom Kippur. So we have to finish the second chapter, and in my book, we're on page Kufnun Ches. So we're talking about the seal, the Chatima, and you have to seal yourself to Hashem. And the perfection of the seal, we said, is the attribute of Yesod. Remember we said that's Yesod, bonding. And bonding means that I don't only get a pleasure from serving Hashem, but my pleasure is just in the reality that there's a Hashem. Not only that my only pleasure is Hashem, but my pleasure is from Hashem just being, existing. And that's the deepest aspect of your soul bonding. To decide to be bound to something in and of itself, even if it gives you nothing. I want to bond just to God. It has nothing to do to take pleasure in it. And to enter the world of pleasure from what? From just being close to Hashem without searching any independent somethingness of success with this connection to Hashem. To reach a level that the person is so alive and appreciates there is nothing else but Hashem, he nullifies all the yearnings for pleasure and success, even spiritual success. He just wants to be connected to Hashem in a way that he senses that his whole life is come Hashem and he takes pleasure in Hashem. It's reality, not in the Avodah Hashem. Chassam person is, is paralyzed. He still has, has pleasure in being with Hashem, even though he can't succeed in doing anything. This is the inner Avodah. That's what's chasmenu v'seifrachayim. Seal us in the book of life. I mean to say, just being alive with Hashem. That's it. That is what you want. That means you're sealed to be bound up to Hashem. That all your yearnings, all your liveliness, and all your pleasure just comes from Hashem. Being bound up to Hashem. And that's the main judgment on Rosh Hashanah. And that's why we pray so much. Because praying is an, is an aspect of yearning and wanting. Yes? So you can say this is duties of your heart? Duties of the heart? Duties of your heart. Forget about a duty. It's just, it's just I, want, I, I want to feel the closest of Hashem. That's it. I don't even have to do anything. You love a person so much, you don't have to really just sit with them. I just want to sit with you. But what are we doing? Nothing. I'm so connected to you. That itself is the greatest pleasure, just to be connected with you. That's the deepest. That's your soul, bonding. Bonding for no uh, ulterior motives. So therefore, the chatima, the sealing, happens dafket ni'ila because ni'ila by that point after 24 hours your strength is weakening and you can reach a higher level that not only is all of external physicality been nullified but you're not looking for any goals and desires for yourself you are sealing yourself, closing yourself from all externalities, from all 
pleasures from all feelings. You nullify yourself completely to Hashem. You enter a state of complete bonding and you only feel that inner connection to Hashem even though you're not doing anything. And you decide that from now on I only have Hashem and my yearning and my pleasure is only in Hashem. Not what I do for Hashem. In Hashem. And therefore if that happens all the lusts become nullified. All the desire for sins become nullified. Because all the sins and the lusts come from the mistake that there's something other than and outside of Hashem, God forbid. But now you're sealing yourself only to Hashem so all the evil has been nullified. And now we come to what we call the keser, the crown. Ne'ila reaches the level of keser. And in holiness, its holiness is what makes the, part, the, the, the marriage and the unity between Hashem complete. And in footnote, Kuf Nun Beis, he gives a nice explanation for this. He says, even though the partnership is made on Yom Kippur, and it's very strong, and it goes even to the most distant places, as we said, and it's a very high level of unity with Hashem, Congress says it's still considered a weak form of unity. We have to explain what this means. In other words, it's a moment in time where you reach a very high level, but that level is beyond the level that you can sustain. It's a level I want, I wish I could be so close to Hashem, but it's something that I know I cannot keep on a permanent basis. It's beyond my abilities to sustain it, but I could hit it for a little while. So this is what we call not a true, complete unity. But at Yom Kippur, we can, the whole world is a different reality. We can shoot for a level. We can feel a higher level than we've ever felt in connection to Hashem. But it's a level that is higher than us. And we haven't acquired it. And it's only a preparation to be able to get it later, but only if you can feel it. And hopefully... Next week we'll talk more about Sukkot. The Avodah of Sukkot, and specifically Shmini Atzeres, we can come back to that high level, but now it becomes our level, and it's one that we can stay with. Remember, Yom Kippur is actually a pathway to leaving this physical world. Remember, we don't eat, we don't do that stuff, and the unity that exists and the feeling that we have it's not something we can sustain once we get down back to eating. And that's why, no matter how amazing you feel right at Kol Nidre, as amazing as you feel, boom, it's gone right after meal. All of a sudden, you're eating. You're not making a careful bracha. You're overeating. Why? Because you hit a level that's beyond your level to hold on to it. Only when we get to Sukkot, as we'll describe, is the Avod of Das, can we connect our whole reality to that and to feel it inside our soul and to reach that level of a complete acquisition on Shemini and Saris. 
But, so you may say, so what did it help to get this temporary? The answer is, even though it's not a complete acquisition, you gotta taste it. The taste of Neila is so delicious. For that little while, you're saying to yourself, I could, I don't have to eat right now. That last half hour of Neila, we're mamish into it. And at this point in time, if I would go over to you and say, would you like to hear a little bit of Lush and Hara? You're going to say, you know, tell me after Yom Kippur. <laughs> okay? Because right now, you're feeling this great pleasure. There's just no way you're going to do it. And you know it's the best pleasure. You're connecting Hashem way you have never connected before. But don't make the mistake and think you're going to hold on to it because it's artificial. What do I mean artificial? Because God has come down. And God has enabled you to see every aspect of him in every part of the world. And you know this is true. And you truly regret all your sins because you're in this very high place. And thank God, you're showing Hashem that when I am given ideal track conditions, I could do it. Aye, but after Yom Kippur, boom. The ideal conditions are gone. And now you go back to the old ways, but you tasted it. You can't deny you tasted it. And now when we work on sukkahs, we have a base to refer back to, and we can achieve it on Sukkot. That's what's happening. So, so during the entire day, we connected to Hashem in all kinds of minor details. And we've reached a state of essential dvekas, where we take pleasure just in Hashem. We've sealed ourselves only for things of holiness. And that perfection, that is the keser, the crown of Neila. So that when we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lokeinu, and everything like that, it means Hashem's one with nothing else. And that influences a perfection of the light, and we've completed the true recognition of the oneness of Hashem, and we willingly accept to be incorporated in Hashem's love and to be nullified before Him. And this kind of a thing we should be feeling and to, as they say, gird ourselves with power to enter into that feeling till the end, till we feel even as, it, to feel in our flesh and in our bones the fire of the true reality of Hashem. Now, the difference between Ne'ilah and Shmini Atzeris, he says at the end of footnote Kufnum Gimel, is that the unity between Hashem and the bonding and the Elah is a weak unity. That it's not made with a complete acquisition. We just touch it for a while. Shminat Saras, it becomes a complete acquisition. So if you are Nusach Svard and you get to the Kedusha of Neila, you say the words, Keter Yit we give you the crown. That's the crown. And you're feeling that. And then we go on with the repetition. So basically, what, what's happening is we, we want to feel this connection. Now, Ashkenazim don't say keser, but we still should feel that keser. And then we go on with the extra prayers of slichot, the last slichot. And what's a major part of the slichot? 
We said over and over and over the 13 attributes of mercy. Hashem, Hashem, Kelrachum, Vechanun. Because once you're in the Keser, as we've said many times before, the 13 attributes of mercy are seated in the Keser. The will of Hashem. And the will of Hashem is the Jewish people. And the 13 attributes of mercy is Hashem says, no matter what, I'm going to give mercy to them. Hashem can cleanse our sins. All those attributes that we spoke about many other times. And Hashem will cleanse us because we are totally bound up with Hashem. And it's clarified that Dafka, in the darkness of the sins, the truth of Hashem's light has been revealed in a greater way. We get close to Hashem and we know this more and more. And therefore we keep saying Hashem, Hashem, not just Hashem have mercy on us, but Hashem have mercy from the Keser. Why? Because we have now for a brief moment come in contact with the Keser. The Keser is God's will. What's God's will? God's will is to give us good. And the good can only come if we're bound up to Hashem. And we're telling Hashem, this is what we want. This is what we feel. Hashem says, if you're in my world of Keser, I will apply the attributes of mercy. I keep saying it over and over and over and over. Hashem says, I can, I can clean it all up now. And then we come to the very end where we scream out, Shema Yisrael. They say, we are what? Hashem, you're our God. You're the only one. We say Hashem Elohim. And, the, and this is the essence of everything. And then we blow the shofar and the Talmud of the Rashash, the Sefer Torah's Chacham says that that blow is the highest of all the blows. It's one straight blow, as we said, that comes from the depths of our soul to reach the simple oneness of Hashem. We recognize the essence of Hashem and we're happy with it and that's like the tekiah that will come when Mashiach comes. And with that note, we go out to have a brand new year. And then, but just one more thing we say. Next year we should be in Jerusalem. And we, we break out in song that it should be that way. That even though Baruch Hashem, we got kapara, purity, we elevated ourselves, but at the end of the day, we are still in the Galut. We still cannot forget that the main thing is missing. And because we are on such a high level, we understand how much darkness we're in because we don't have the base Amigdash and how much we're missing that Shechina. And therefore, we're pleading with Hashem that He should rebuild the base Amigdash, Lashon and Hashem's. Uh, honor should be restored. So in conclusion, we're dealing with the chosem, the seal, that Ni'ila locks everything up, that Hashem has sealed the verdict based on how we seal ourselves to be bound only to Hashem and to yearn only with Hashem and His Torah. And that is the only true pleasure with Hashem close ourselves off from any other false pleasure to know it's nothing. That's the seal. Then we have the Kedushas Keser, the holiness of the crown. When he's revealed, 
Hashem Echod. Hashem illuminates that light of the crown. We enter the world of complete unity with Hashem and to feel with clarity and decisively there's nothing else but Hashem. And then the final end of the davening is that powerful fire that's revealed and gets stronger more and more. 13 attributes, screaming out Shema, blowing the shofar. And these are the three steps to the end of the Ne'ilah service. Question? So when we say next year in Jerusalem, only Kutzlar, so we should... Even Eretz Yisrael, there's no Beit HaMikdash. When we say L'Shem of Yerushalayim, when Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh, that has a Beit HaMikdash in it. Nothing less than that. This ends Yom Kippur. Okay, now we're only going to have, next week, three days to learn about Sukkot. Now, I'm letting you know in advance, there's a lot of beautiful essays on Elul, on Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. But we have to skip them, because we'll leave them for another time, because we want to get at least the main points in. What's going to help if I go thoroughly until Yom Kippur, but we don't get to Sukkot and Shemini and, and, and Seris? So we'll have to leave it. Maybe it'll be a talk between Minach Marv, whatever we'll see. But now we're beginning Sukkot, which is the third step of this movement. So let's go back. On Rosh Hashanah, we accept the kingdom of Hashem and the unity of Hashem. And we, and we did that in more depth and expansiveness on Yom Kippur, that even all the details and the lowest things in the world Hashem is revealed from that, and that's how our sins get forgiven. Now what we want to achieve on Sukkot is to actually feel all this. And there's an expression in Song of Songs. Your left hand is under my head, and you hug me with the right hand. When you hug somebody, right, your hand is here, and you hug them like this. So what's going on? Rosh and Kippur is the left hand under the head. Sukkot is my right hand is hugging with love. In a general way, the service we've done until now, even though we've talked about a lot of facing Hashem, but in relationship to Sukkot, which is a much higher level of facing, when you get to the facing of Sukkot, the facing of Rosh and Kippur is like the back. It's all relative, so to speak. Because on Rosh and Kippur, we're accepting more because we have to we understand it's true. We understand it. Even I understand it, so I, ha- I have to do this. But on Sukkot, is more than just understand. It's to live in that reality. It's not just in your mind, but you want it and you feel it, and there's no other way, there's no other thing but that, which will be illuminated on now in this next talk. So the Sukkot section has four chapters which we're going to have to do quickly because then we still have to get to uh, Shemini Atzeris. But hopefully we can, we'll manage it all. So, I'm on page Reish Dalit. He said, we have to understand, what is this mitzvah of taking the four species? Why do we move them back and forth? Why do we shake so much? So the rabbis in Masecha Sukkah that we learned not so long ago Rabbi Yochanan says we go back and forth in all four directions to the one who owns the four directions. 
We go up and down to the one who owns heaven and earth. That's one version. Another version is we go back and forth to suppress bad winds up and down to suppress bad rains or bad dews. So you got to understand, what is this? What is this going back and forth? Because everything's Hashem's. What's it telling us? And what is exactly these bad winds? And how do we do it so many times to stop the bad rains, the bad winds? How does the Lulav stop this? So of course, the Arizal says we got to go deeper. And as much as Rosh Hashanah is the holiday of Chachma, and Yom Kippur is the holiday of Bina, Sukkot is the holiday of Da'as, knowledge. It says, so that you shall Laman Yedu, so you will know that you were in Sukkot when you left Egypt. It's the Yantav of knowledge. And we said, what is Da'as? Its job is to connect the Seichel of the person, the intellect, with the feelings that are on the ground. Okay, so Rosh Hashanah Kippur, we're doing tshuva, our minds, and our, we got a new mind and a new intellect, a new appreciation of Hashem, we have a higher understanding and a clearer understanding of Hashem and His unity, as we've discussed. Now comes Sukkot. We got to take everything that we know in our seichel and connect it with our heart, that we could feel with the feelings of our heart, and they should affect the way we do things based on that. And obviously it's going to be with a lot of joy. And that's how the four species help us. This is the, the miracle of the mitzvah of the four species. When we shake the four species, we are asking and we're arousing from Hashem that he should send a flow of da'as, this level of living in the reality which is the power to succeed, to actively feel the realities of Hashem with us in this world. And we will succeed to live with Hashem until this knowledge, Mamish, encompasses our whole body, our feelings, our actions. And all our feelings, all our needs come from this. And this is why we go back and forth, what? For everything that's His. To have this feeling penetrate that everything's from Hashem, everything He does, and there's nothing else but Hashem. And when we do that, that holds back the bad dues, the bad winds. What is that? That's hinting to heresy, other issues, Yetzirahs, because they all come from a lack of amuna. And we have the right amuna, then all the bad things are stopped. Therefore, we take the Lulav and the Astro and we shake it, and we have our minds think that we're asking Hashem, give us da'as. Give us the power to succeed, to find and feel Hashem in every aspect of this world, to reach a state of complete vacuous in every single thing. And that's what you should be thinking about when you're shaking the lulav and you're asking Hashem that we should feel that there's enod movado. And therefore we'll merit the closest Hashem, love and fear and vacuous. And of course... The Arizal tells us that the four species hint to the name of Hashem. The th three Hadassim parallel the first Yud of Hashem's name. The Aravas parallel the He of Hashem's name. The Lulav straight is the Vav, and the Esrug is the last He. 
And the yud hey vav hey, that is, as we've said many times, that is the essence of describing the unity of Hashem. There's nothing else but Hashem. And he's doing all of reality, and that's the essence of Hashem's name, and the whole world comes from that. So when you take the four species that reflect Hashem's complete name, you could merit to receive the das and feel that there is no other reality except of Hashem. That is the essence of this mitzvah, shaking love. Okay, now, and the deeper kavonis is when a person moves the lulav out before him okay so he's asking from Hashem I'm going out to you and I want you to open up your storehouses of das and then when I move it back I want to be bringing it in to me and to have those feelings and then I go to the next side and the next side to get more and more das and have more and more love Everywhere we do it in every direction because that's every aspect of reality. Everywhere I turn, I want to know that you're the one of Enod Melvado and I want you to bring that reality into me, back and forth, every direction. And not only during the mitzvah, but when you say hala, we want it to penetrate into our house. And when you keep going over and over and over, you merit to feel it more and more of this true das. And that's why when you are shaking the left, really you shouldn't do it fast. You should do it nice and slow with all the feelings that you have, that you're feeling that you're opening up the light of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And therefore it's good to even use a little bit of a tune when we shake. Let's say we're saying halal, whatever, that will arouse you to those feelings. So this is the holiday of Das, and that's what the wolf's telling us wherever we go, that is the reflection of that. Now, in section Dalit, he says, the Arizal says, that when a person brings the lulav back, he says, it should be like, just like, for example, when we say, Oshamnu Bagadnu, so when you bring the lulav back, it should hit the heart. A little bit, not, not, not a big noise, a little bit. Because you want that reality to penetrate into your heart. When you bring the little back, I want this, I want you, Hashem, send me this das. I want the das to come, not just from the brain, but you get into my heart. So in Yom Kippur, we're beating our chest because of all the terrible affairs. Now we want to, now that we beat it out, we got a heart that's able to receive things. I want to bring now the das that comes into here. So that's the idea that you want it to be revealed inside your heart. Okay, so now with this, of course, with this, of course, we just don't do it for one day. So, because it's seven days. Now, why is it seven days? So, yes, we're getting das, and the das wakes up our feelings, but in a more detailed way, every day there's another feeling. We go back to the seven lower spheres of chesed through malchus. So since we have seven days again, we have seven spheros, seven mitos, and every day the yontif, and that's the ushpizen, the guests that we have in the sukkah, Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, etc., etc. Those are the guests, because those are the mitos that we're supposed to work on. 
And every day we have das, but the das is what? The das to live in the reality of to live like God with chesed, with kvura, with tiveris. Okay? Now, even though we've been doing this on Yom Kippur and we've been doing all these other things, but again, we were doing it from different levels. Okay? We're doing it, you know, from fear or other things. And compared to what we're going to want to know, Chachma and Bina is great. I want to understand the seven spheros from Chachma's perspective, from Bina's perspective. But now I want to understand them from Da'as's perspective. And that'll bring the closest way that we can imagine this. So we will stop over here next week on Tuesday, Amir Tzashem.